Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Mind Love, Episode 89. Today's episode is all about finding your worthiness by taking radical personal responsibility. How many hours of the day do you spend feeling like shit? How many hours of the day do you spend in low-level, disempowering states of being? right? Versus how many hours of the day do you spend in high self empowering states of being? If we focus on how we feel, which to me is interchangeable with our energy, right? Then everything else just works itself out. I firmly believe that we focus on our feelings. We focus on our energetic state of being. Everything else is so much more fluid. Turn up your frequency with mind love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Have you tapped the subscribe button yet? More subscribers means even better guests and even more value. Plus, it helps grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone can use a little more mind love. Hi, friends and wild people and mind lovers. Somebody recently reached out saying that they have a text group called Mind Lovers, and it made me really happy. So I think I might call you mind lovers sometimes. Well, I'm going to start today's episode with a powerful, kind of hard, but also really magical truth. Your life and what you do with it is directly impacted by how worthy you feel. I'm going to repeat that. Your life and what you do with it is directly impacted by how worthy you feel. If you don't feel like you deserve something, chances are you're going to be too chicken to actually go out and try to get it. Think about it. How likely are you to apply for a job that you don't even feel qualified for in the first place? Or how likely is it that you're going to approach someone that you're interested in if you feel like they're totally out of your league anyways? Or are you really going to launch that thing or that podcast or blog when you don't really feel like anyone cares what you have to say anyways? It goes deeper than that too, because when you feel these things in your body, that's the frequency that you put out and you attract the exact outcome that you're afraid of. Picture this, you're going to a job interview or a meeting with an investor or even a date. I'm going to use interview for this example. Here's reality A where you don't really feel worthy. You walk into the room feeling a little bit nervous. Your palms are sweating, so when the person on the other side of that desk goes to shake your hand, you have a hard time stepping into your power because you're kind of intimidated. And then the questions start, and as you answer, there's hesitancy in your voice, and you try to respond quickly because you already know where this is going. And after it's over, why even follow up? Because you probably embarrassed yourself anyways. Now here's reality B. You're going into this job interview and you might not have all the qualifications, but hell, men apply for jobs that they aren't qualified for all the time. And yeah, they want seven years experience and you only have five, but you know you have all these other strengths that could definitely serve this position and make up for it. 
They'd be lucky to have you and you're going to show them this. So you walk in confidently and you give a firm handshake. And as the interviewer starts to ask you questions, you're excited to answer so you can show them all the value that you're about to drop. You follow up because you know they were already impressed and you want to make sure that you stay top of mind. Why wouldn't you? You freaking deserve this position. The difference is obvious, right? The person giving that interview is going to feel that energy. So yeah, you'll stand out, but also you'll more likely be the person that they want to see at work most days. And that's just one example, but that is how it really works. And on a basic level, it affects your experience regardless of the outcome. Even if you don't get the job, when you walk in with that attitude, you're less likely to see that as a failure and more like a lesson learned or a little more experience to help you with your next interview. How worthy you feel will affect your ability to see things, even challenges, as things that happen for you instead of to you. So obviously, it is really important that we get a handle on this. But how? (laughs) It's not like we just woke up and chose not to feel worthy. Our self-worth is usually a reflection of a whole lot of past experiences, what other people have said to us throughout our lives, other people dripping their personal crap onto us, and just a bunch of evidence that we've collected throughout our lives. But there is a way. There's always a way. It's usually a choice. And that's what we're talking about today. Our guest is Tracy Litt. Cool name, right? She's a certified mindset coach and transformation therapist and the author of the book, Worthy Human. And I love this interview because she just calls you on your bullshit. She's fun and direct and cuts right to the heart of what's real and true. So three key things we will learn today are how to own your shit through a total subconscious audit, how to handle it when you're affected by other people's shit, and how to change your experience by tuning into higher parts of yourself and other people. Before we dive in, I want to make sure you know about the Morning Mind Love. It's the easiest way to start each day with a little reminder about how magical you really are. I get messages from people every single day about how the Morning Mind Love is their favorite way to start the day, or that the message that just came through is exactly what they needed to hear. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. You'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. You'll get a free guided affirmation meditation to align your subconscious with your highest self, and you'll get a really cool booklet of Powerless so you can start getting clear on what you want and what really makes you happy. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word MORNING to 33777. That's MORNING to 33777. And now let's welcome Tracy Litt to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So as we were talking a little bit before we started recording, I was planning on skimming your book and I couldn't help but just read it because it's so good. So I'm really excited to dive into some of this just really amazing content. And I want to start with the title, Worthy Human. What inspired you first to create a book about becoming a more worthy human? So. Worthy human was one of those things, you know, we talk about divine hits, right? We talk about like, oh, you get this idea. And it was like a a lightning bolt. It was literally a moment where I had been in observation for so long about myself and about like friends and family and clients watching this world where there only seemed like there were two options, right? The one end is 
I don't feel like I'm enough. So I shrink down, I hide, I play small, I say I'm fine, I don't need anything, don't worry about me, shrink, shrink, shrink. Or there's this total other side where it's dominance, over assertion of power, push, 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 condescending, go, go, go in an effort to feel like you're enough. And I'm watching these two worlds. And it, actually, the concept hit me at a foot spa. I was getting a massage and it like, boom, like in my head. And I came home, opened my laptop and wrote and cried. My like tears flowing, just writing, writing, writing. And I went, oh my God, there's a space in between. There is a space in between called worthiness, called worthy human, where when you know you're enough, because it is your birthright, like everybody, you were born enough, lovable, significant, worthy, right? To operate from that space, everything changes. And you don't have to shrink and you don't have to overassert. You can simply be enough. I love that. It's the actual message that I've been focusing on so much also. A lot of my listeners know I've been working on this public speaking program, so we had to prepare a keynote. And wow, there's so much processing. When you write something that's compiled, whether it's a book or an hour-long keynote, you have to hone your message and you don't realize how many little gaps there are until you're really creating it. And what I started to realize is that so many of my past issues that I've attracted, that I've created, whatever it might have been, have started because I was looking outside of myself for that worthiness. And so realizing that so much of what we think we need to be worthy, to be attractive, to be loved is just what we're sold to, to think that we need from whether it's people that are going to profit off of this deep insecurity that we're developing or whatever it might be. And so realizing that all of this starts coming from within. So I'm curious about what led you to here? What led you to become a coach and to eventually create this message? I fully agree with everything you're saying. And what you were talking about is us being brought up in a space where we are only as valuable as what we do or what we have or what's going on outside of us. And that's part of the mission to really eradicate that outdated way of thinking. What brought me to do this work in the world was me finally listening to my soul, realizing I had something greater to give. I spent years in corporate America and had that moment of, there's got to be more than this, my soul dying, but fear being so powerful at that time in my life before I learned how to love it, kept me in that safe space, which really connected to, I didn't feel like I was enough at that point to jump out and do something bigger and bolder than what was, what everybody does, if you will. Also, I'm someone who's experienced a tremendous amount of triumph in my life. Uh, the loss of my mother, becoming a single parent when my daughter was eight months old, eight months old, and having, I remember this one specific, really poignant, like dark night of the soul, where my daughter was crying in her crib and my relationship that I thought I was going to be in my whole life was over. And she's eight months old and I have an air mattress as a couch. And I can't stand the crying anymore. So I go in my garage so I don't hear her. And I just sob on the floor, like fetal position, total hysteria. And after I was done fully letting it out, I knew I have a choice here, right? I can be a victim of circumstance or I can get up and access my power of choice 
and create my life, right? And that's kind of the basis of my work also. It is get out of the powerlessness. You are creating this. You are the root cause of your experience. You have all the power. Choose warrior. And I've created everything like I'm curious, though, some people have those dark nights of the soul while laying down and crying and they don't have or they don't think they have that information accessible to them that they can step up to be the warrior. They don't even know it's a possibility that they can choose their thoughts and their actions. What brought you that kind of knowledge or had you been researching that before? Who had told you that you had that power? It's a combination of my mother, which I am so, so blessed to have had her as my mother. She had spiritual journeys of her own before she passed away and started to do this work. She was a spiritual counselor. She did speaking for women's empowerment events. And she really started teaching me at a much younger age than you would anticipate that there's always something behind the thing that you're dealing with and that you have options right? That you really are this powerful, incredibly powerful being. So that started it. And it was to me, I always chose, like, it's like, I just knew you just choose. You don't have to sit and be a victim of yourself. And from there, everything just took off. One of the activities in your book that I really liked, and it's interesting, it came at me from multiple angles. It came at me from your book in very easy to read words. And it also came to me in this other book I'm reading by Paul Selig, who channels all of his books. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but he channels them in front of a live audience and then they're just transcribed. And every word is just truth after truth. But it sounds more like almost like a biblical type reading. And it was talking about taking an audit of all of your beliefs and where they came from. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And I kind of just let it go by because it wasn't an actual get a notebook type directive. And then I was reading your book and you actually said, take an audit of your memories and your beliefs and your lived experiences and all of the information that you've learned. And I'm wondering, did you actually do that process and how long did it take? Because that's a lot to (laughs) compile. Yeah, it is ongoing. It's ongoing. And I think that's something that everyone really needs to understand when you are healing and growing and expanding and tapping into mindset and spirituality and all the things that come along with inner power, you're never done. So don't set yourself up for disappointment by thinking you ever are. It's called self mastery for a reason, right? Not self mastered. So it's about figuring out at any given point, Whatever it is that you are desiring and working towards, if you aren't standing in your belief system that isn't congruent. So you can do an audit on your beliefs basically, quote, struggling with at the time, right? Or you could simply do it for self-discovery in terms of bring up a topic to mind and then be quiet and listen to what your inner dialogue is. And in that inner dialogue, you will extract so much about what is in your belief system. And then you get to question it, right? Like we were never taught to question. We were brought up in such a rules and do this, don't do that. And in order to be accepted, you have to do this, 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 and this, in this order. We have never been encouraged to buck the system and we need to buck our own systems.
we're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. <laughs> and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com mindlove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot mindlove. I know one of the things that really just has been hitting me lately is how powerful it is that the way we create our beliefs when we're children, like I remember learning about that and hearing, well, yeah, this happened to you when you were five. So of course you believe this. And it almost sounds too simple to be real, but it actually is just how it works. And so we're compiling all these beliefs for later on in life. And some of the things that I've ended up questioning recently I've wondered how I allowed myself to hold on to that for so long because it only took bringing awareness to realize how ridiculous some of the stuff was. Oh my God, I love that. And in the book, I talk about how awareness itself is curative, right? Sometimes there's no further work to be done. It's the simple awareness and noticing of it. And then you're like, ew, that's not working for me anymore. And you throw it in the trash bin and you move on. It's what you were saying about our upbringings and how our beliefs are created, that's why doing this work and bringing it into the masses and to mainstream is so important because the truth is, is that your like seven-year-old you is pretty much running your life if you haven't dug in to figure out what is in your core belief system. I know that for me, it can sometimes help to have a grounded example of some of these things. So do you remember one of your beliefs that you kind of acquired in childhood that was running your life later that you ended up being able to change to redirect your life? 
Oh, yes, yes. And I actually talk about it in the beginning of the book as well. I had an I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, really deep rooted belief. The funny thing is, too, and I want to say this, you don't have to have everyone has a form of trauma or wounds, right? And you don't have to have extreme trauma. It could be like in my case, I was very fortunate. My parents were very loving. I had everything that I needed and wanted. And my limiting beliefs came from my own meanings because I had an older sister. So here's my older sister who is two years older than me. And there are several instances where I was living in comparison to her. And through the course of that, decided, well, I must not be good enough, right? If she got to be the head cheerleader and I was the mascot, must mean I'm not good enough. She has this beautiful, long, gorgeous, dark hair, and she's brushing her hair out like a princess. And here I am in the corner with this short, curly hair, barely getting my pick through it, all frustrated. Oh, that must mean I'm not good enough. In this constant comparison to my sister, I created a belief system that I wasn't good enough or smart enough. And it stayed with me until I was up against all of this stuff in my life. And then I went, okay, it's time to grow. It's time to do the work. And then I found it. And then I saw it differently. And I realized, oh my goodness, none of that's true. I'm totally enough. And I'm so smart. It's outrageous. But that limiting belief caused me to make certain choices in my life that had it not been there, I would have made wildly different choices. Okay. So that story, I forgot to tell you, we were talking about a lot of the synchronicities that we have. We've both been VPs of companies. We've both lost a parent. Your birthday is May 15th and my birthday is May 14th. (laughs) I love, we share a midnight. We share a midnight. (laughs) We do. But you told a story about how your grandmother said something like, they can't all look like your sister. sister. Like Jamie. So you said you don't remember that story, but somebody told you that story. Why would anyone tell you that story? (laughs) I believe that everyone in our lives has the greatest of intentions, but we don't realize how impactful every single word we say to someone is, right? We might be coming from a place, and in that case, let me bring our, our listeners up to speed. When I was born, my grandmother came into the hospital to see me, and I was born with this tree outline on my nose, like a birthmark. And my grandmother came in and picked me up to say hi and looked at my mother and said, well, they can't all look like Jamie. Right oh. now, which now to hear that story, which was told several times, because when you retell a story like that, it sounds funny. You're not thinking, because especially because the work that we get to do is not masses knowledge yet. That's why we're doing this work, right? That's why we're on this podcast. So we can awaken people to all of this stuff. So when that story was retold, it was more like, oh my God, isn't that funny? Isn't that silly? Can you believe Nana said that? But every time it was retold, it was being infused into me. Even when she has a baby, something from your third trimester in the womb till you're about seven years old, your subconscious mind is ingesting every single thing. It is like You have a video camera that is on 24-7, 365, and there is no filter and no barrier as to what it takes in. So even if I wouldn't have been retold that story, it already came into me. Yeah, just without as much like conscious memory of the story. And it is weird how we can be told a story and create a memory from that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then our memories like are never accurate either. I mean, everything is an interpretation, right? Everything is a meaning of it, which also is part and parcel to how powerful we are and how malleable we are when we go back and see things differently, when we go back into our beliefs and our worldviews and hold them up, like I was saying before about questioning and just going, hey, does this work for me and who I really am or not? Does this feel good to me? And because it doesn't matter who gave it to you. Like just because it was your mother or your religious leader or your father or your sibling or your boss or whatever, it's your life. Don't pick up shit from other people if it doesn't feel good in your body and soul. Yeah, I like how you named that the drip process. When people just drip their shit on you and it could be bad shit, but it can also be that good shit. Like you were saying earlier that your mother infused Mm -hmm. these spiritual belief systems into you. So it's not always bad. We just tend to usually recognize the bad so much more. Yeah. And we blindly accept. It's like we go through life and they're like, okay, this is my identity. And we've all been prey to this is just how I am. This is just how I am. Right. When in actual fact. It's not just how you are. It's just how you think you are. And it's about understanding that drip process, which thank you. I love that too. It's realizing that the stuff that was dripped on you, whether you want to judge it as good or bad, it really just comes down to, does it align? Is it congruent with who you are and who you want to be and what you want to have and experience in your life? And does it lend itself to being supportive of how you want to feel? Or is it getting in your way? And if it is getting in your way, the most magnificent part of growth work is that you can rid yourself of it now. Yeah, it's interesting to me when realizing that so much of what most people see themselves as is just a reflection of what they've experienced in the outside world, whether what people are reflecting back to them, what people have told them they are, it's basically we're collecting evidence through our experiences as to who we are. But a lot of people don't ever shift that perspective to realize that you can collect evidence for whatever version of you that you actually want to be. There are lower versions of ourselves and there are higher versions of ourselves. And if we're just going through this world complacently, then we're just going to accept the evidence that comes to us. And we're basically at the mercy of our environment as to who we're going to become. But if we flip that switch a little bit, then we can say, okay, well, I am a warrior. I am powerful and start seeking evidence and trying new things in order to create that. Yes. And I love that you're using the word evidence because the underpinning truth to what you're saying is you will actually only find the evidence that you're looking for. Evidence of a completely different life experience is literally passing you by, but you cannot see that because you're not available for it. You're not looking for that, which is why the thoughts that you think and the words that you speak and the beliefs that you choose and where you place your focus is everything. If you label yourself as someone who is a control freak, you will live that out till the day you die, right? So you have to be really, really aware of your labels and of your thoughts and what it is that you are seeking evidence of because you're creating whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And that brings me to my next 
really powerful point that you talk about a lot in the book is radical personal responsibility. And that brings in both sides of what we've been talking about, where it's the drip process or basically that the audit process of the subconscious mind and how you're currently living, what has created the who you are right now, and then also what we're choosing to focus our attention on and what we're choosing to go out into the world to create. It's like both of those, you have to take ownership of both of them. So talk a little bit about radical personal responsibility and what that means to you. Radical personal responsibility is the core foundation if you want to change anything about your life, about any area of your life. It is your ability to own your shit. It's really becomes like a superpower because the truth is, is that we are the root cause of everything we experience. It's the underbelly of why I'm telling you in the subtitle of the book, you are the problem and the solution. And what's funny is people get very mad at me. When I say that, they get, I get a lot, lot of not fond replies, which I'm totally cool with because I'm not interested in you liking me. I'm interested in you changing, right? And you growing as a person. And ultimately, ability to take radical personal responsibility means that you are ready to let go of every excuse and every reason and every justification and every rationalization because we have all become masters at bullshitting ourselves right? Masters at pulling the wool over our own eyes. And the beautiful piece of the worthy human component and how it connects to owning your shit is one of the things that I've noticed in all of the people I've gotten to serve is the thing that keeps us from like putting your hand up and going, I'm owning it, radical personal responsibility. The thing that prohibits that is the outdated belief that our value is based on who we are and what we do and what we have. So there's this inability to own your shit because you're thinking, well, if I own my shit, then that must mean there's something wrong with me. And if there's something wrong with me, then that must mean that I'm not enough. And here we are spinning in the epidemic of I'm not enough cycle again, right? Now, when you step into understanding, you guys, you're worthy. You don't have to do anything. Nothing influences it. It doesn't matter what you thought before you heard this podcast. You are enough. You are worthy. And nothing can ever influence that. It's not negotiable. So from that space, now you're like, yes, I'm going to owe my shit. Yes, I'm going to take responsibility. Yes, I'm going to stop my excuses because it's all me for me. And I have all the power. That's what it's about. I was doing a meditation about a year and a half ago. And I remember I was really getting into my purpose. And I had just launched this podcast and I was just really excited, but I was do, do, doing every single day. And I would start my day meditating, like, what is my next step? What is my next action? And all of a sudden I had this overwhelming feeling of just serenity and calmness. And the only word that was in my head, the only words were just be. And I got chills everywhere, which is always my sign that I'm on the right track. And so since then, I've been trying to play with the balance between being and realizing I am completely enough as I am and doing so that I could really add value to the world. How do you find that balance? Mm, That's a beautiful question. Similarly to you, I also, when I get chills or when I get emotional, I know I'm on the right track. I think that when the being, it's sprinkled in, 
again, I'm going to go back to like how we were raised because we're working to reverse that constant do, 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 because that's the world that we were brought up in. And the being is about prioritizing yourself. You know, for me, how I find that balance is through making my being who I'm being the priority always, because I can't engage in the doing from a place of excitement and awesome intent and total inspiration if I haven't nurtured the being first. So it's a lot of focus on something as simple as when I walk my dog in the backyard, instead of just letting her do her thing and going inside and doing something else, I stand in the grass with my feet in the grass and close my eyes and connect to my being. Before I get out of bed, keeping my eyes closed, saying, thank you. Thank you for this day. What amazing things are coming. You're amazing. I love you, right? Really nurturing myself before I get up. There's so many different things to do, but truly it's about the being first. The doing is something that will always happen. But when you're focusing on the being, the doing becomes light, fun, easy, engaging, fluid. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Speaking of like checking our energy, somebody just reached out to me on Instagram yesterday and asked what I'm currently focusing on in my development. And the thing that's been coming to me so much in the last few months is just really making sure that I have control or kind of harnessed my energy before I go out and create or I interact. Because if I am in a crap mood, then that's what I'm going to be in alignment with when I create something and put it out in the world and when I go and interact with other people. And so I find that if I don't center myself and find some stillness and kind of raise my own vibration before I go do something, <laughs> usually my day will be on track with how I start it. hundred percent. I mean, at the core of all of this, it's about how we feel. And I do reference this also in the book. How many hours of the day do you spend feeling like shit? How many hours of the day do you spend in low level disempowering states of being? right? Versus how many hours of the day do you spend in high self, empowering states of being? If we focus on how we feel, which to me is interchangeable with our energy, right? Then everything else just works itself out. I firmly believe that. We focus on our feelings. We focus on our energetic state of being. Everything else is so much more fluid. I really loved the activity you had in there. I have been recently become really focused on handling my tech addiction. There will be an episode about that coming up. But I've been making sure that I'm <laughs> trying to use I'm trying to use technology in a more conscious manner. So I've got a bunch of tools that I'll be sharing in that future episode. But one of the ones that you share is setting an alarm for different times throughout your day that remind you to take note of what you're currently focused on and what's currently going through your head. Because so many times we don't realize that our subconscious is overwrought with these negative thoughts about ourselves, about our situation, or we're just focused on something that doesn't serve us at all. 
I really reference it as like breathing on purpose and creating space. If somebody ever asked me, if you can only give somebody one thing to do to change anything about themselves, their lives, their businesses, their careers, their relationships, it would be that. It would be set the alarms on your phone, stop to breathe intentionally, because if we don't create space on purpose, then we can't become our own observers. We don't have the opportunity to notice when we're spinning out, when we're going down a rabbit hole of hell in your thought process, right? When you are hyper-focused into some problem or issue, when you're running around in chronic stress and you haven't reached a rest and digest state in hours. So creating space is how you connect back to yourself. It's how you build a relationship with yourself. It's how you take a platitude like change your thoughts, change your life, and actually apply it so that it can do something for you, right? It's how we go from hustle, 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 produce, 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 multitask, 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 and go, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to pause. I'm going to open my shoulders. I'm going to drop into myself. I'm going to connect in my body and see what my body's trying to communicate with me right now. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to, to connect to your body. That's another huge part of creating space. We're so disconnected from our bodies and our bodies are communicating to us all day long. I remember when I was first learning all this stuff, it just seems so overwhelming. Like, wow, how am I going to completely change all of these habits? It's so much to think about and to be conscious about everything at every given moment. And a lot of people reach out to me about this. But what I have found is that Yes, at first it's so difficult and it's like choose one thing at a time. It might just be the breathing. But after a while, what ends up happening is when you become stressed or and where your usual trigger might have been to snap or to get tense, instead you start to remember after you create a pattern, after you do it enough times, then all of a sudden I get really stressed and my first thought is to hold on take a moment and breathe. And that comes naturally to me now. But in those times that it's still difficult or when I still want to create that habit, there is those technology. I love my Apple Watch because it has the Breathe app. And so uh, several times throughout the day, I just get this little notification on my wrist to remind me to breathe. And it's so funny because I remember I already have had a tech addiction in the past. I'm working on it. And my husband was like, you really want another piece of technology, this Apple Watch. And my Apple Watch is my favorite thing because it helps me feel okay with leaving my phone. <laughs> it reminds mm -hmm. me to log my water, my breathing. So it can be really, really helpful in the beginning stages. But then it does start to create a new habit and a new way of being. Did you find that as you were moving through your transformation as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the ability to realize that we all need to just take a breath and be patient with ourselves, right? Because we get excited and we learn all this stuff about growth work and then it becomes kind of fire hosey and it feels like a learning by fire hose. And realizing also it's not immediate. This isn't about you being different the moment you realize you want to be. This is a journey. It is a moment to moment choice by choice, day by day. That's what empowerment actually is. That's what mastery and being compassionate with yourself all the while and meeting yourself with grace and really being able to realize what you're doing is you are learning tools 
So no matter what's going on, you go, oh, wait a second, I'm going to pause and breathe here, right? A game I like to play with myself is called new choice. So something's (laughs) going on and you don't like what you're experiencing, right? Because again, you are the root cause of everything you experience. There is no gray. That is the way it is. In any given moment, if you don't like what you're experiencing, how you're feeling, what you're doing, what you're not doing, pause, take a breath in, exhale and say, new choice. And every (laughs) single time you make a new choice, you will create a new result every single time. I love that because sometimes I feel like the hardest part is I know these things. I might be in this totally crap mood or be mad or somebody cut me off or whatever it might be. And there are some times where I know I have the ability to create a new choice, but it's so hard to overcome my ego. But the idea of just making it this game and something about the inflection of new choice (laughs) feels like it makes it appealing and like a fun thing to do. Oh my goodness. This is such a great moment. So here's what's happening in that moment. Number one, when you go new choice, you're infusing levity which is something everybody needs more of, more playfulness, more levity. That's how we cut through the crap and really, really connect to ourselves and lighten up. So the new choice is like, oh, I'm allowed to have fun in my life also? Yay. That's kind of the goal, by the way. So when you're saying it like that, you're being playful and you're being silly. And what you're doing in that moment, like you mentioned the word ego, you're reversing a habit. Everything is a habit. It's not just like nail biting. You're having emotional addiction habits. You're having behavioral addiction habits. We're breaking habits. And when that ego part is that old part of you, it's it's the habit that you're trying to break, doing everything in its power to not be broken, right? You have been this way for so long. Your cells are used to being conditioned this way for so long. And now all of a sudden, you've decided that you're going to change. And your entire system is like, what the hell do you think you're doing? And it's going to try like, holy hell to survive and stay the way that it used to be, because that's what it thinks it needs to have in order to survive. Right. But you, this conscious, amazing, powerful being is going, no, 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 I'm done living a life of worry and overwhelm. I want to live in peace and ease. You know that's where you're going to go. You know that's what matters. You know that's how you want to live out your life. So that's where new choice and breathing and becoming your observer and understanding just how change works, right? Which is why people will say, I did so well for a couple of weeks and now I don't know, right? I've reverted back. That's why 90% of New Year's resolutions fail. It's being able to understand all that. I love the way you named it too. In the book, you call it the glass elevator. And this is such a great visual to me because we don't have to just identify with who we always have been, who we've been in the past. We have this whole spectrum of who we are from lower self to highest self. And I remember I'm going to mention Paul Selig again because I love him, but I was at a workshop of his and he will actually kind of come into you. He does medium or psychic work too. And so I remember I asked him a question and he's like, I'm going to go to you for this. And he came into me at one level and kind of got what I was struggling with. And he goes, hold on, I'm going to go into you at a higher level. And I remember being kind of blown away because he was able to see what I was struggling with and my lower self and also at the higher version of me. And I was just talking to somebody else about even just how we deal with other people. 
I tweeted the other day that you can change your experience of a person just by changing the part of them that you're tuning into. And so we can both work with the different levels of ourselves as well as other people when we interact. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the glass elevator is actually a creation of Michael Niels. He's one of my favorite teachers. And I kind of iterate what he teaches because we all essentially, if we pretended that we lived in these glass elevators that surround us, you can get to your higher level self by saying going up, right? And now all of a sudden you have a totally different perspective of everything that's going on. And I love what you're saying about our ability to experience people differently by basically focusing on something else, focus on something good about them instead of something bad. I could be upset. Let's say, you know, I'm married and I'm so fortunate. I love my husband dearly, but we're married. So there are parts of the day, as I'm sure you can attest, where you can get agitated. So I can hang on to that one thing that irritates me, or I can stop and refocus into the 17 things that I adore. I find that there's a lot of people that I talk to that are in relationships that their biggest problem with doing that is because they feel that if they don't react to what their partner's doing, that their partner won't, I'm doing air quotes right now, learn their lesson or change in any way. <laughs> what are your thoughts about that? Oh, I think the quote, learn the lesson is you fighting for your enoughness. Number one, it's like, basically just want to be heard and ego that wants to win. It's your ego. That's like, well, if I'm nice right now, then it lets them off the hook. If I make everything better and I just decide to love them, then X, Y, Z. When you are not in a space where you just had a confrontation or you're upset, that's when real, loving, transparent, worthy communication comes into play. Express yourself, talk, communicate, say, hey, hun, when this happens and this, can you Instead, or the story I'm telling myself when you act that way is X, Y, Z. And so much is lost because I truly believe that we're not communicating deeply and effectively. We're not listening to each other. There's a line that's in a lot of movies, and it's usually the husband saying it towards the wife, but it's like, I've decided that I can either be right or I can be happy. But it goes both ways in a mm. relationship, you know, or in any relationship or just in life. Do you want to hold on to those things that your ego's driving you to be right or to be the one that won the argument? Or do you want to realize that your happiness comes from within? It's not going to happen because you get somebody else to do what you want them to do or to think how you want them to think. That's not where happiness comes from ever. Happiness is really learning to be the calm in the storm or learning to be happy even if everyone around you has a different opinion. So I really like that just kind of owning your shit again <laughs> when it right. comes to relationships. Absolutely. It's a uh, radical personal responsibility and conflict. I talk about that in the book too. It, it's so everything. And that directly connects back to if you're prioritizing how you feel, if you're prioritizing your energetic state, your ego won't win because you're going to say to yourself, well, if I hold on to this, I'm only punishing myself. I'm the one walking around feeling like shit, being super low level right? It's like, it's just not worth it. Life is too long and too short to give your power away like that and live your life agitated and angry and frustrated and resentful. And it's just, 
so useless and you're choosing it. So we're bringing up all of this stuff that we have to own, a lot of hard truths about ourselves and our patterns and negative reactions. How do we balance that with at the same time falling in love with ourselves? Oh, because self-acceptance is stage one to actually actively loving yourself. And we're not supposed to be infallible. We're to be human is to be beautifully imperfect is to have these moments of growth. Everyone has an ego side and a soul side. Everyone has a higher self and a lower self, right? And it's really understanding that loving yourself is to accept yourself, is to say, oh, I love you. How human of you. <laughs> How human of you to be frustrated. How human of you to have that pattern. It's all good. And being able to accept means to accept what was or what is. doesn't mean you have to agree with it or condone it or anything of that nature. It's simply about saying like, I love me, all of me, the moments where I am my highest, best self, the moments where I am in a lower level state. The key is, is that when you identify something you want to change, you don't start to beat yourself up about it. You don't start to be in self-judgment, right? You don't use negative self-talk because that's not loving yourself either. It's a journey. It's like we are humans having human experiences. And we need to calm down and cut ourselves a little bit of slack. I find it really helpful to personify the little parts of myself that I am working on. And in general, a lot of times I just refer to my human. <laughs> so when mm -hmm. instead of being like, oh, my God, I'm acting crazy. I'm like, oh, my God, my human is on a roll right now. Let's calm her down. That disidentification helps so much for me to release that because suddenly it's not me. It's just this emotional, very human reaction. And there are so many chemical reactions going on in our bodies, our hormones, just in general. The body is crazy, interesting, and powerful, and really fascinating the more I learn about it. And so realizing that it isn't really you, it is a lot of just reactions happening inside of you can really help to just see yourself in a new way and be a little bit more compassionate with what you're dealing with. In terms of personifying it right as human, isn't that interesting, right? Like becoming your own anthropologist, basically. Isn't that interesting? The humans feeling anxious. <laughs> isn't that interesting, right? The humans freaking out. Look at her lose her shit. Isn't that interesting? right? Because then you're in observation. And again, you're in a place of levity, which is kind of like everything. One thing I really loved in your book is the mantra that you say throughout it. So could you share that mantra with our listeners? Oh, absolutely. It's at the conclusion of every choice in the book. It's our worthy human mantra is I am worthy. I am enough. I am powerful. I get to choose. I love that. It's something that I think is really important to carry with you. Mantras are so helpful because it gives your brain a directive when you're going through the day. And like we said, there's so many other negative things that we tend to say to ourselves. So to create a habit of these more empowering belief systems, it might sound cheesy sometimes, but they really, really work. So thank you so much for everything that you shared today. I loved this conversation and I highly recommend this book. I have a couple more chapters to go before I finish it. So for listeners who are resonating with you, where is the best place to connect with you online? Oh, thank you so much. 
thelitfactor.com is the website, lit with two T's. And you can also find me, The Lit Factor, on Facebook and Instagram. And you'll be able to catch the book on Amazon. You can simply uh, search Bar Worthy Human and grab the book there. And make sure to go visit the website because I have a bunch of epic bonuses that I'm giving away when you grab your copy. Well, thank you so much again for reminding us all of our inherent worthiness. It can be really difficult to get caught up in the expectations of the people around us, of society, of just the world we live in. Feeling our own worthiness can be really difficult. So I love the work you're doing in the world. And thank you so much for spending the last hour with us. Thank you. This was totally awesome. You are absolutely a gift to the world. And I loved every minute of this. Okay, so all the links mentioned in this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 089. And we have a lot of actionable tips from this episode, so I'm going to remind you of them. First of all, at any time when you find yourself going down a wrong path or you're angry or you just aren't in the state that you want to be in, you can always have the power to just choose a new choice. So take that into your week. It's a lot of fun to do. It does make it a little bit more playful, which will help overcome that, you know, defiant ego that we tend to have. Also, start to try to take that subconscious audit. It's going to take a while. So I recommend sitting down and writing just the brain dump of a list that you can right now. But then keeping that list handy with you or keeping a notebook, keeping a note on your iPhone, something where you can continuously track new things that come up. Our subconscious has been building itself for a very long time before we had any awareness that any of this was going on. So don't expect it to be an overnight thing, but these things can really help. And when you start to train your brain to seek those subconscious patterns, it happens more and more easily. And instead of having to make it this whole process, you'll be able to just be living your life and suddenly realize, wow, that was weird, I wonder where that came from, and have an introspective dialogue. And the last thing is that glass elevator technique. So instead of identifying with that current emotion, I am angry, I am sad, I am depressed, realize that that is just one part of you. And you have the power to move that elevator up and see your current situation from a higher perspective. This is actually a really fun activity that I like to do during meditation. And you know, things like this can be really hard at first, so don't beat yourself up if it's harder to zoom up that elevator every single time. But do make it a practice to see if you can see one situation from different perspectives. And if you need a little practice before you can really own your own shit through this technique, try it with someone else's. When your friend is coming to you for advice, see it from that perspective that she's coming to you from or he is coming to you with, And then see if you can see it from a higher perspective, and then even a higher perspective from that. This is a skill that you can develop. So the more you do this with your own stuff and other people's stuff, the more you'll just see things for what they are. These objective situations that don't really have anything to do with you personally, or at least with your identity. The only thing you are that you need to identify with is powerful and magical and freaking awesome. Like that is you to the core. We are all gods and goddesses. We have God energy through us. That is what life is. You know, every scripture, every religious book and guru, it all goes back to the same thing, that God is love, love is energy. All of this stuff is just life force. 
that is what you are to the core. Anything else about your personality, these little quirks that you have, the things you don't like about yourself, those are all material and ego. It's not really you. You can change whatever you want. So take that with you this week. See what changes you can make. See what perspectives you can shift. Just start playing with your power, how much power you have to completely change your own experience. So if you got as much from this episode as I did, please share it with a friend. Take a screenshot, post it on social media, tag Mind Love Melissa and or Mind Love Podcast. And also leave a review. Five-star reviews really, really help grow the show. It shows that people like it and are listening and helps Apple know to move it up the charts. So I would greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to do that. And if you do, I just might read your review on the show. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 